Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Pendo, and today I have the honor of introducing you to both Ellie Leaning and Anna Hickson. Ellie graduated from Franklin in 2014 with a degree in environmental studies, and Anna graduated a year later in 2015 with a degree in environmental science. Now they both work at the Institute for Ecological Civilization, otherwise known as EcoCiv, and I'm super excited to have them on the podcast and learn more about them as well as the Institute for Ecological Civilizations. Yeah, thank you for having us, Mark. It's great to be here. The pleasure is mine. So let's kind of talk about what you guys are doing now. I would love to know more about the Institute for Ecological Civilization and what it is, but also how you guys came across such a wonderful professional opportunity. Yeah, I'll let Ellie take a stab at what EcoCiv is, and then I'll chime in. My story is a little bit shorter than hers, so. Sounds good. Thanks. So EcoCiv is a U.S. nonprofit. We're based in San Diego, but the entire team is remote. Our mission statement is to promote the civilizational change for the long-term well-being of people and planet. And we're a pretty young organization, founded 2015. Uh, we have a team of about 15 people, a mix of part-time and full-time staff. Um, I applied for the, or- the position that was just listed online in May of 2019. So I've been here for about a year and four months or so. And at the time, I just finished my master's program and was looking for, for something remote, but in my kind of area of environmental studies and sort of interdisciplinary and really just wanted something I could wear a bunch of different hats on. And, and I was working and living in partly in South Africa at the time, and they were launching a water project with a partner in South Africa. So it was a really good fit. And we ended up, um, yeah, ended up staying here for now two and a half years and don't see that changing anytime soon. And about a year into the program, we received funding to expand our water project, which is the, kind of the program I was leading. And I posted the ad on, I think, on Franklin's alumni page. And then, you know, Anna reached out and reconnected. We were, we were friends at Franklin, but hadn't really connected in, the, in between years at that point. Yeah, and we are actually two of uh, four Franklin alumni that work at EcoCiv now. So we are slowly taking over the organization. We have um, Juliana Arnold, who works with us, as well as um, Shelby Denkla. So it's kind of a growing Franklin family, remote Franklin family as we continue to grow, which is pretty fun. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So come on and join us now. Um, So when I came and I joined Ellie, I think about a year later at EcoCiv and I had just moved back to the States from finishing my master's in marine and coastal management in Iceland. And I was just finishing some consulting work um, to support the Marine and Mammal Protection Act in the Puget Sound region of Seattle, Washington. And that's right when COVID was starting to happen and kick into gear. And so I was just kind of perusing potential jobs and came across, you know, thank goodness for the Franklin alumni page <laughs> and reached out to Ellie and started chatting. And my background is an ecologist and no, I didn't line up particularly with the research position, but I know how to do research and I'm familiar with freshwater ecology and freshwater property. So it just kind of started to fit in. And then as we continued to work on the water project, my role kind of started to change as we understood um, individuals' capabilities and capacities. And so I've then started taking on 
roles that overlook all of EcoCiv as well as the water project in particular. And it's been so fun working with Ellie. I remember <laughs> at Franklin, I used to use her psychology notes all the time and I knew she was so organized. So I was like, oh, this will be good. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's hilarious. <laughs> And so you guys kind of alluded to what you do in your individual roles, but I was wondering what, if you guys could elaborate a bit more on what your day-to-day looks like and a little bit about your roles in specific. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the projects director at EcoCiv and I'm part of our kind of administrative team that makes sort of the like big decisions about the operations of the organization and um, whether from like fundraising to HR to program directions, things like that. And I run our water division in particular. So all of our work in um, urban water systems is kind of falls under my sort of hat. Um, and then we also are working on a lot of different emerging opportunities and projects that are in different like stages of development. So I typically like have hands and feet and things in different parts of those projects to see how they kind of develop and make sure they're kind of going developing along um, alongside our mission and our kind of strategic areas of interest for the organization and making sure there's funding for everything and, and all of that so yeah that's I guess from a more like practical day-to-day perspective uh, it's definitely changed a lot since COVID started because before COVID I was I mean it EcoCiv is great because we can work from anywhere. So like I said, I started working a lot in, when I came to EcoCiv, I was working in South Africa and have, you know, worked remotely the entire time I've been here. But so South Africa, Botswana, Mauritius, kind of interesting places like that. And then ended up coming back home um, to Cape Cod, Massachusetts in February of 2020 when COVID started. And since then I've pretty much just been based here. And um, so here it's, you know, very much like a normal sort of like work day that you just kind of get up, have my oat milk lattes and (laughs) bang out stuff. Uh, Whether working on projects or having, we have a lot of meetings. We're trying to reduce the number of meetings that we have. (laughs) And yeah, typically I go to the beach or work in the garden or horseback riding that kind of thing in the afternoon and then some because of the time differences we often have really early or really late meetings whether like i have meetings with the west coast side or like partners in central european time or south africa time or even like further east so we're a bit of a wonky kind of schedule but i i really like that because it lets you be really flexible and do other things in the middle of the day if you want and i um, split my time between Seattle, Washington, and um, Iceland currently. I have been going back and forth <clears throat> as much as I can um, in <laughs> with regarding to COVID and all that sort of stuff. My partner is still there, so I, <laughs> and he's not allowed in the States, so I go back and forth. It's a great time. But when I'm in Iceland, I have a completely different work life and schedule um, than I do in Seattle. In Seattle, I wake up and I roll over to my desk (laughs) that is across from my bed and I start work. Whereas in Iceland, I can wake up, do a few hours of work, go out in the middle of the day, go hiking, go kayaking, go do something, and then come back. And then I have meetings in the evening with everyone who is on um, US time zone. So it's so variable. Um, Definitely have had to develop some work from home strategies to keep my sanity, especially as I go back and forth between 
between these two places. But in terms of my actual position, I'm the research and development associate for ECOCIV and Ellie and I work together a lot across, I kind of, I mimic a lot of what she does at um, a lower level. And then I then do a lot in terms of the organization, <laughs> lower level in terms of if we're looking at bird's eye view and coming down. I do a lot of organizational um, updates and development work as well. And the particular project that I work on within water is um, called the W12 plus blueprint. And it's our platform for housing solutions to urban water security challenges. And so I've been leading the overall development of that project. And so I work with a lot of outside consultants and coders and that sort of stuff to kind of keep them organized. That's amazing. Honestly, you guys sound like you're living the dream. One, you're making an amazing positive impact on the world, but then also you guys have your own life and that is really cool. Also, that's cool. Ellie, technically you started working remote before the pandemic. What made you want to work remote um, in the first place? Well, I wanted to be able to travel and not, I also want to work in a, in kind of loosely in international development, but really in sort of rethinking international development. Uh, and, but I didn't want to live in a city and I still don't want to live in a city, particularly like for me, it would typically be like Boston, DC or like London. And that just wasn't, I don't know, I'm not a huge city person. So finding a, a position that's remote really, really spoke to me. And I figured I'd try it out and see how, how it went. And there, there are things I miss, you know, I miss sitting around a table with a whiteboard and brainstorming or, you know, we have to be really intentional about setting up just like coffee time. Sometimes we schedule with our team like a half hour or an hour where we're not allowed to talk about work and we just have to kind of get to know each other because you miss those sort of informal interactions. But besides that, it's, it's really fantastic. It sounds wonderful. And also to be able Anna, to go back and forth from Seattle and Iceland. I mean, come on, that is literally a dream. Yeah. I can't complain. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. I have set up right now and my parents left me enough to let me come back. So I don't have to pay Seattle rent, which is, uh, which is, <laughs> which is a huge deal. So That is amazing. No, that sounds really amazing. I'm just saying that word over and over because I'm starstruck, I guess. <laughs> um, but so EcoCiv, it makes a huge impact, like you guys have said. But I was wondering what aspects of EcoCiv's mission um, you guys find most compelling and why you feel the work is important, the work that you do is important. I think for me, it comes down to organizationally as in globally we've we've done this so much we've siloed so much and we've specialized so much across the world and it's wonderful it's allowed us to have so many wonderful advancements but i think there's something to be said about someone or an organization that is taking the time and collecting the information that is available across all of those silos and looking at it together and looking at how do these things work together and looking at this multidisciplinary lens and then brings relevant parties together to say, actually, here's the whole picture and here's what we need to do. So being that connecting piece is something that I find so important. And it's, I think, in growing in importance as um, we look at just the current state of the world. I agree. And what's particularly compelling to me about Ecosiv is 
the, that focus on the root causes of issues that I care deeply about. At Franklin and after Franklin, I've always been interested in issues of international development, social justice, climate change, etc. But felt frustrated with conventional approaches to development or aid work that seems to perpetuate these band-aid solutions to systemic issues. So at Ecosiv, we we have these sort of long-term goals for the world that you know we we want to live in or that um, we want to enable different parts of the world to live in. We don't necessarily promote like a civilization, but rather like a, that the ecological sort of modifies the civilization. So different civilizations should all be like ecological in nature. And that has both the human and the natural components to it. And that is inherently a long-term goal, but the action has to happen today. And so we promote the actions today that will result in this long-term future. And that kind of balances my desire to feel like I'm making a difference today and making a difference, doing things that will actually help people in the immediate future, but not just, you know, providing band-aid solutions to issues that just will continue and continue to happen. And for me, taking that kind of holistic or systems approach to issues of people and planet really resonates with me because it allows us to embrace the complexity and the like interconnection of issues such as income inequality, environmental conservation, food security, et cetera. We identify the key leverage points for change in society. And for it, through our projects, we ask questions like, what's the societal goal that we're looking for? What's the end point? Who's the decision maker or the change agent who can make that happen? What can we do to make it easier for that person to make the decision to kind of do the thing that we want them to do? What are the barriers in place? Um, you know, is it funding? Is it knowledge? Is it like, what is it? And then we design projects that are sort of geared towards tackling those key points. And, you know, we often say that we don't make shoes. So we'll never be the organization like on the ground drilling a well somewhere or like providing some sort of innovative water solution in a city. But we, we work with shoemakers and like shoe policymakers to ensure like the supply chain is sustainable, that um, sustainable and equitable shoes are available at affordable prices over the long term to everyone who needs them. I guess one thing to add for myself is that I, you know, do have done a lot of like ecology work and on the ground science. So this has actually been a really interesting challenge for me in a way to kind of take that higher level and look look back and see, okay, what are these, all these pieces? What are the on the ground folks doing? What are the researchers doing and piecing all of that together? It's been a really wonderful learning curve for myself to kind of see how all of those pieces interact. Yeah, definitely. And actually that's the perfect transition because I kind of wanted to talk about when you conducted research in Iceland, Switzerland, and Australia, and just kind of what it was like to have such a vast background of research in your kind of back pocket, I guess you could say. Yeah, it makes me sound like I'm a really, really great scientist with all of that. But in reality, um, although these places you know, might seem very different, I was focusing on such small... Australia, I did a lot within rainforest ecology um, between the rainforest and the Great Barrier Reef and looking at tourism and the impacts of tourism on the local environment and economy. Um, in Switzerland, I, with uh, Professor Brack Hale, who, shout out, I actually get to see in Iceland, like, all the time. He's one of my best friends. <laughs> um, so jealous. 
And so in Switzerland, I mimicked that and was able to work with him and kind of look at sustainable, sustainable tourism through like the Franklin lens and what that means and what does that look like. Well, then in Iceland, I kind of dove into more true field and ecology work, looking at heavy metal um, pollution within the marine and coastal environment, using a few different bioindicators to kind of assess the health of the ecosystems. And in Seattle, I do work with um, the marine and coastal space as well. But one of the things that I recognized when I started moving around in all these areas is, okay, they're all very different. <laughs> That's true. And I'm focusing on different things. But the things that you can take and look at, so for instance, tourism in all of these places, huge impact on the local environment. And all of them are dealing with the consequences in different ways. So seeing that similarity across the board, I'm such a lateral thinker. I really try to always connect pieces even when they shouldn't be connected. Um, and kind of as I identify these similarities, like it just gives me so many ideas of, oh, we could be looking at this. We could utilize, you know, this. We can start using seaweed in Australia. We could start using seaweed in Iceland to mitigate all of these impacts of the cruise ships and all of those sorts of pieces that I try to tie into one. And looking, especially now from my, I would say, my expertise in the coastal and marine management lens, it taking that into Seattle where I still do some research work, um, particularly with marine mammals, like that's a huge piece. It's something that has wound its way um, through kind of all my research areas. And I think as I continue to do research across the board, wherever I might be, I still bring back those previous research projects that I've done. Like, how are those relevant here? Are they relevant? Um, and if not, why? What are they doing well? And so it's kind of an interesting way to see how many different places are addressing really common issues. Um, and it's something that I really enjoy doing. Yeah, it's super cool, especially too, because you kind of get like an intercontinental perspective, which is yeah. cool. And I too am also jealous that you're best friends with Brock Hill. I absolutely <laughs> adore him as a professor. I actually got to go to Iceland with him and it was amazing. So did I see you when I was there? <laughs> I'm trying to think maybe, I mean, I went in, I think it was 2019. 2018 maybe in the fall in the fall of 2018 i was there and i helped guide some students around maybe oh. maybe we saw each other i don't know <laughs> that's funny <laughs> did you get the opportunity to learn a bit of icelandic or yeah a little bit i when i so i worked and managed the arctic fox center um while i was living there yeah, and there. crazy <laughs> yeah and so i worked with a few 16 year olds and honestly I hadn't been learning much Icelandic <laughs> until I was working with them because they were just chatting all the time and I could pick up words so much easier now that I'm away I you know I can I tell us now <laughs> but <laughs> that's about it <laughs> that's super cool though the, the funny thing about working remotely obviously you get to see like people's like housing like in situations but well one Anna always has epic backgrounds when she's in Iceland and like really cool yeah like mountains and snow capped peaks and stuff right outside her window but when she starts yelling in Icelandic at the dog she's watching that's pretty fantastic yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> international dogs you know you gotta you gotta learn the language to deal with them <laughs> exactly 
And Ellie, you've actually had around over 10 years of nonprofit um, project management and research. And I was wondering um, what has been your biggest takeaway throughout your professional journey thus far and how, you know, how has that too helped you to be where you are today? Yeah, it's, it's crazy looking back at the, just the different things that I've been a part of. And I mean, Franklin really is to thank for a lot of the, a lot of these different opportunities, especially in the beginning. Well, that experience really actually starts with my time uh, at Franklin. I was a, a research assistant for a research project that Professor Cordone was working on with the Swiss Network for International Studies. And it, we had a team of um, like senior researchers in mostly, mostly Geneva-based and um, that we had to conduct research um, for and yeah it was super super interesting and i i really that i think that was the start of kind of these different kind of interesting positions and within the, the broad realm of international development and yeah and then i ended up working in south africa um with a nonprofit that was actually run by like con connections to franklin trustee so that was a connection there a part i think about two years i spent about two years working with them in total uh, but overall, I think the biggest takeaway is just that, you know, I've worn so many different hats in the different nonprofits that I've worked for, and I've gotten to experience a lot of different leadership styles and management styles and like even ways of budgeting or managing projects, like providing feedback, like everything across the board, especially when you're working for a really tiny kind of wonky nonprofit where it's all hands on deck from social media to grant writing to project management and research and partnership outreach and drafting contracts and all of that. So you really have to just jump in and do it. And yeah, I think that's perhaps the, the thing that's been the most, the most beneficial and the most interesting is these, just the variety of experiences. And then sort of now I feel like I'm able to take some of the, the best, parts of those experiences and apply them at ECOSIV as we're growing. There's such an opportunity to shape the organization. And yeah. So I guess this is the perfect time to ask, how would you guys say Franklin has helped you get where you are today? I mean, it, it kind of, I guess we've elaborated on it, but I would love to hear guys' perspective. I mean, it's almost impossible to to name like all of the ways that Franklin shaped our lives. But the, there's a couple of things that have stood out to me in particular. And, you know, one even just popped up in, as we've been talking today about how, you know, we look for, for lessons learned, for similarities, for shared like themes or elements within, within groups or areas that might be per typically perceived to be quite different. And I feel like that's sort of the foundation of Franklin is you put a whole bunch of people together who, you know, probably shouldn't get along necessarily. And then you do and you realize you have way more in common than anything that, uh, that is different. And that's sort of kind of an interesting parallel to the work that we do. And it's very sort of solutions oriented. But more specifically, I'll never forget my one of my so I worked in Boston at um, a nonprofit that focused on uh, international affordable housing finance. And I was with them for like a year and a half or so. And our, my boss, who was a brilliant guy, he 
his favorite thing to say when we were hiring anyone is that you should hire people who can write well and have a personality. The rest you can teach them. And I feel like Franklin did both of those for me. Uh, I mean, certainly you can thank SSB for and her like red uh, pen for <laughs> no passive voice in <laughs> my writing um, and you know, critical thinking. Cordon, even things like budget management to like my time um, on SGA, I uh, was I was vice president of programming. So I did all the events and had to run the budgets for the events. And just starting to think about stuff like that from your college years through to now, and also networking in really weird situations. I mean, it's incredible how I mean, it sounds really weird. And I remember thinking this was crazy, but on one academic travel, we like had to go out to a bar and even if we weren't drinking, I mean, I was, but even if you weren't drinking, you like had to go and like network. Like we were, we had, we were inviting some of like the key partners that we had been meeting with. And, you know, it was just expected that that's where some of the dialogue takes place and you have to kind of conduct yourself professionally in that setting. And I mean, that type of stuff has served me so well over the year. And I'm I feel like I'm like really adaptable to different situations because of that. And just sort of like, this sounds kind of silly, I guess, but being comfortable dreaming and imagining new futures. I think Franklin really taught us to, to be fearless and to work proactively for the world we want to live in and then gave us the tools to create it. And I mean, I look back at myself from who I was in like my high school years and then and just the process of going to Franklin, I mean, that that changed everything about who I was and completely led to where I am now. And I can't, I can't even imagine what I'd be doing if I didn't go to Franklin. Yeah, I mean, I echo all of that. For me, it's really, it's even just hard to articulate. I know I would be living like a completely different life and probably would have completely different priorities. I, I, I could not even identify what those would be. I mean, the experience of, especially I remember right after graduating, coming back to the States and deciding like, okay, I need to find a job. That seems like a little lame compared to the past four years of what I've been living. And but it taught me a persistence that I didn't even realize that I had. I remember I, when I came back to Seattle, I really wanted to work for this specific company. And I just kept applying for jobs until they ca basically came up with a job to give me. And I know some places do not like that, but that worked in, <laughs> in this instance. And so that persistence to just like, okay, you're going to go do it. So go do it. And <clears throat> I think really the adaptability that Ellie mentioned is huge. I mean, you can be we can be thrown in like any random situation and figure out how to get out of it. I have a few friends who always ask me, he's like, Hannah, do things go wrong when you travel? Like what happens? I'm like, yeah, 90% of the time <laughs> something goes wrong. I lose my bags. I get stuck somewhere, but you know, you just figure it out. It's not the end of the world. And there's a distinct difference in the individuals that have gone to Franklin and that have that mentality comparatively to friends that I have that have stayed in the States or that haven't kind of jumped into those experiences just yet. And it's like that can do attitude and just figuring it out as you go along. Um, I think it's been so helpful. And if I hadn't had those 
that recognition or those experiences, who knows, maybe those travel situations wouldn't have worked out. <laughs> um, and I would have been very upset and maybe would have never traveled again. I don't know. So I don't know. Franklin is such, I mean, it's such an anomaly <laughs> in so many ways and, but such a wonderful one. And I, I mean, I so hope for future students that they are gaining these same experiences that we have because it's so, I mean, you really just, we can't articulate it in the way unless you've gone through it. And I know that that's a very common thread through all of the alumni. Mm -hmm. I'll also just add that now being on the other end of like the hiring process, it's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to say, because obviously if someone has Franklin on their resume, they're going to stand out to me, Uh, but it, it really does. It will make you stand out like in, in the job market. It's a a crazy job market. The amount of applicants we get for, for our positions and having experience like what Franklin provides you personally and professionally is, is really important. And I think, I know from my experience, it definitely made me stand out as most of the jobs I've had. I've only two were really through networks. The others were just sort of cold applications. And I think it really helped me stand out from sort of the masses. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's cool too that, you know, everyone went to Franklin and everyone had a similar but different experience because Franklin is what you make it and the skills and lessons that you take away can be very personal, but also shared. It's just, it is an anomaly in the best way ever. And so I'm kind of, now that we have reflected in the most beautiful way, I love Franklin. I could talk about it for ages. I'm curious what you guys are, you know, what's to come for you guys professionally or even personally in the coming months to a year what are you guys looking forward to? Just, you know, what's happening? Yeah. So at Ecosiv, we have we have a lot of really interesting projects and opportunities that are in the works. I mean, Anna and I have a partnership that we work on with UNESCO's Intergovernmental Hydrological Program, so like all their water stuff, and that's entering its phase two, which is going to be really, really exciting and kind of bringing our project hopefully to the next level and we have a lot of just op- really exciting opportunities to have some pretty high profile events and programming that will hopefully be coming out. I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see what will happen kind of COVID wise, whether those will be in person or fully remote or hybrid. It'll be interesting to see how everything sort of unfolds over the next year. But even just looking back to one year we've we've grown and professionalized so much in the last year so i i just can't wait to see organizationally what happens we're really interested in in rethinking development in the sense of not imposing solutions from the global north or the western world and saying you know this is a solution that should be imposed in a certain area because it worked in this other area but rather we use our W12 plus hubs concept, which is our sort of capacity building work to partner with local organizations on the ground and ask them, you know, what parts of an ecological civilization resonate with you? What are your visions for a sustainable, equitable world or uh, society for you within 30, 50 years in the future? And then we partner with them through facilitation, research, hubs, convenings to help 
drive and transition those visions into into actions that can happen today. And that like participatory partnership model is really what's key to Ecosiv's model and I think separates us a bit from other kind of development type organizations that really go in and say, you know, this is a solution that you should implement because this is your problem. And I mean, that that model has failed very clearly in the last 30 so years and now it's time to find a new one. So it's exciting to be part of that, that process. And one particular project that we're working on within water specifically is that we've partnered with this wonderful group, um, Water for South Sudan. And it's uh, led by this man, Salva Dut, who was a lost boy in South Sudan. And <clears throat> there's a wonderful book on him, A Long Walk to Water. So if any of you are big readers, would definitely recommend. But they have been such a wonderful organization. They actively are on the ground building wells to give immediate access to water to the citizens of South Sudan. So necessary work because people are going without an essential resource. And so that work is wonderful and is so needed, but they do have interest in looking at the longer term. And so we've been able to come in and kind of add in capacity for research, um, convening and facilitation to act as kind of the group that gives them material of here's what the situation looks like from the research point of view, here are potential avenues that you can go and they get to choose working with the government, what sort of avenues they want to approach. Is that going to be drinking water quality monitoring? Is it going to be implementing nature-based solutions? And so it's been a really wonderful learning curve as we're developing this concept with, I mean, an already wonderful organization. And we're really excited to see how that continues to develop because I mean, South Sudan is the newest country in the world and they have so much ability to kind of start from the ground up and really build something that is going to be long-term. It's just ensuring that all the information is available and we're there to support them. Um, and that's the biggest thing. We are there to support them. We're not there to dictate what happens. Exactly. And we have, we've received funding to, to replicate this model of this partnership model with um, four different nonprofits in um, other countries globally. And the, those we're, we're still defining who those will be and reaching out to those part, prospective partners right now. But that's, that's something we're excited to see grow in the coming year. Personally, I'm looking forward to being able to travel a bit more when that time is right. But right now I'm I'm enjoying being at home and it's actually been really nice to have a bit of a home base and sort of structure to days and spend time at the beach. So I'm going to continue enjoying that while it lasts because I think things will get pretty crazy when um, things open up again. Most definitely. <clears throat> I definitely echo um, what Ellie was mentioning. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest things for me is, you know, seeing how our partnerships continue to grow, particularly with um, UNESCO IHP and seeing how these resources and these convenings that we've started doing, particularly within the water work, start to kind of inspire positive change um, across the world. So that might not be within the next year. That might be a little bit longer, but knowing that we're creating these resources to inspire people to act and to give um, individuals and cities the tools and the information that they, that they can use to then adapt a solution and replicate it and try it out on, on their own time, I think is really wonderful. And I think 
as we continue to grow our partnerships, the accessibility of these sorts of resources is going to continue to grow. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to to that, and then hopefully seeing the um, the results as people start to do that. And personally, I just can't wait for more people to get vaccinated. So just everyone get vaccinated. <laughs> um, that's how I personally feel. And because I mean, we've we've been living in this state of languish for a very long time very recent New York Times article about languishing and how it's this like perpetual state that we're living in and it's in between that we're in that limbo and I am pretty over the limbo but I'm gonna ride the limbo until (laughs) until we have to um and I I can't wait (laughs) can't wait for it to be over so (laughs) yeah no I've been done with limbo (laughs) I so ready to get back I mean, it's crazy though, too, because we all want to go back to normal, but we've learned so much during this period. And I'm like, what is going to be normal? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's been as an environmentalist, it's been really nice to, to feel like I'm living my politics in a pretty significant way um, in a very localized life. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think I want to maintain that balance and be, be really cognizant of of my choices and you know, what do I really need to fly for? When do I really need to fly versus when, you know, I'll, the results will be more or less the same if it's a remote participation. And you know, that's, that's the sort of thing I'm excited to figure out what that new normal really looks like in the day to day. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I'm super excited. I also hope, I mean, this is tangential, but I also hope that people ride that similar wave and become more conscious consumers after being able to reevaluate their priorities and their values. So we'll see. I'm excited. I feel like the future is bright, not only for you guys, but hopefully for our world and our waterways. Thanks to you both. (laughs) (laughs) But um, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. You guys have been wonderful guests. It's been super insightful to hear about your guys' perspectives on life, on your career. And I really cannot thank you enough. It's really been an honor to have you guys here today. Thank you so much for having us. It's been, I mean, it's been great. And it's always so fun to talk to other, other Franklin (laughs) individuals and just like re reminisce that time and how it's, I mean, how it's brought us to where we are today. Yeah, this was great. Thanks so much, Margaret. uh, Echoing Anna, it's, it's so nice to, to have those Franklin connections in in random virtual spaces or in person, but uh, yeah, we really appreciate your time, and it's been it's been an honor to participate. So thank you for having us. Of course, and I wish you guys the best of luck in the coming months and years, and I hope to keep in touch. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, and I guess I'll do a quick little shout out that if there are any Frankliners listening who are interested in internships and such, feel free to shoot us an email because we're always um, looking and we can let you know if there are anything, any positions that are open. Yeah, that's perfect. And I will link your guys' email in the description below, as well as a link to your guys' organization, just so people can get a little bit of knowledge. But cheers to that. Cheers to internships. Yeah, that'd be great. cheers to internships yes (laughs) awesome thanks so much margaret 